0: It's Thursday, April eighteenth. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Pro and Motley Fool Options, Jeff Fisher. Happy Thursday, guys. Happy, Happy Thursday. Thursday. Earnings Palooza rolls on. We're going to talk Nokia. We're going to talk Pepsi, Verizon. We have a story from the world of financial services that is both horrific and awesome. So we'll we'll, mm. we'll get to that. I don't see the awesome. It's, it's, a li- it's horrifically awesome. It's How horrifically awesome. Uh, but we'll start with uh, the world of smartphones. Analysts were saying that this is a make-or-break quarter for Nokia, and based on the fact that shares were down more than 11% this morning, I'm assuming we're going to go with break, um, because uh, Nokia's first quarter loss, um, even though it was smaller than last year's first quarter loss, Jason, uh, they're just not getting it done at Nokia,
1: right? And in it, they actually saw a pretty decent performance from their Lumia smartphone, which was nice. I mean, they took on that Windows platform with the, with that phone, and I think that it's 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 genuine. It's generated a nice little buzz about it. People are using it. And I think I think there are enough people out there that like the Windows platform that it could be modestly successful but i think the real problem was was the uh, the lack of of performance in just the mobile phone yeah. uh segment which is really what nokia is known for just the, the lower end mobile phones and people haven't made that leap over to smartphones yet and i mean admittedly that that market, while it's still huge, it's, it's becoming, I think, less and less relevant as time goes on. I mean, the, the proliferation of smartphones uh, is just growing. We hear about these possibilities of Apple maybe introducing a cheaper smartphone out there. So I think that as time goes on prices for these smartphones are going to continue to come down, which is going to mean that Nokia is going to have to figure out a way to become less re- uh, less reliant on their mobile phone sales and more reliant on their smartphone sales. And I think that at this point in the game, the market's just not confident they'll be able to do that.
0: Yeah. And, uh, Jeff, uh, you know, there there were some silver linings here. I mean, I mentioned the loss being smaller than last year's. Uh, Lumia sales were at the high end of what analysts were expecting. They sold, I think, 5.6 million. Right. So that's at the high end of the range. And yet it just seems like at the end of the day, investors are looking at Nokia and the clock is ticking.
2: I think that's exactly what it is. They're in a vice. Uh, as you said, Chris, the sales were higher, actually higher than expected. And they guided for strong se- sequential growth for the smartphone this quarter, too. The problem is their their dumb phones, for lack of a better term, are... are just, I
0: think that's p- a good term. They're plummeting.
2: I'm- they're plummeting much more than expected. And as Jason alluded to or, or said, I can't recall 30 seconds earlier. <laughs> Let's get this man some more coffee. The, 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 they're getting squeezed between dumb phones going away and smartphones becoming much more commoditized. So they're entering this market
1: just as prices and margins are coming down we were, were extremely late to the game, I guess, is what you could say. Yeah, you know, I mean, they were just really late to this game.
0: And we were talking before we started taping. You look at Apple shares coming down. You look at the trend that we've seen. You know, regardless of the device, we know that hardware costs, you know, go down over time. Is this? Are we now getting to the point where smartphones are becoming? less and less of a good business to invest in. And, and if that is the case, then certainly Nokia being late to the game makes it almost inevitable that, that they are running out of time.
2: You know, when you look at how many companies, just since Apple blazed this path, have jumped onto the same bandwagon, that does tell you it's a very hot commodity, which usually tells you it's on its way down by now. If not on its way down, uh, Sales volume-wise, at least on its way down, profit-wise, the moat everybody has or may have had is shrinking. And Apple is the one company that I still really like in the space. They still have a decent moat, and uh, they capture most of the profits in the smartphone industry. And I don't see that going away because I do think their operating system is the best.
0: We touched on this yesterday, but I'm interested to get your take on it, Jeff. When you look at Apple's stock just what it's done over the last seven months or so going from 705 to dipping below 400 a share. What goes through your mind? Do you look at that and say, "Well, yeah, that's that's about right, that's appropriate," or do you think it's an overreaction in both directions? It probably never should have gotten up to seven hundred, but the fact that it's fallen from seven hundred to below four hundred seems like just piling on at this point.
2: I, I think it's the latter of the two, Chris. It, it seems to be an overreaction in both directions when it when it hits. Touched 700 for a few days and pro motley fool pro. We sat down and actually talked about whether we should lighten up or sell it, and it was so quickly back down. And now I think it's an overreaction in the other direction, down below 400. Overall, though, I always try to think in in terms of three years and, and longer. And do I think Apple is going to generate enough free cash flow to make its share price higher in the next three years? And right now, the answer is yes. Is it a cakewalk? Not by any means. They need to release well-received new products or new iterations of existing products every single year. So it's not easy, and it deserves to trade at a a discount to the general market, in my opinion, and it, it, for the most part, has for quite a while now.
0: Back to Nokia, Jason. Shares, as I mentioned, down this morning. Is this something that interests you at all? And if it doesn't, uh, I've heard some people argue that technology – is no place to seek a value stock. Uh, And I'm curious, just separate from what you think about Nokia, if you also agree with that.
1: I think for the most part, that would be the case. Now, there are certain exceptions. And I think that Apple, for example, could be an exception to that rule, uh, because Apple has already done such a good job of, of permeating the world with Macs, with phones, with tablets. So You know, I mean, I, I don't think Apple is, I don't think that the technology wave is just gonna, you know, pass Apple right by. So I do think that, like Jeff was saying, there is a bit of an overreaction with Apple stock, and I do think it becomes more interesting, uh, today because of its valuation. But for the most part, I do agree with that, and I look at Verizon, or at, at Nokia, and I think that, well, this, The market cap is made up of almost half the net cap, like half of its market cap is the net cash that the company has. So if you take the cash they have minus whatever debt they have outstanding, that's half the company's market cap, Mm -hmm. which is significant. And it tells us a lot of what the market's thinking right now that this company's just not going to be earning a whole heck of a lot of money. And I do think that really, you know, they are getting squeezed on this, on this phone deal. And I would, I would be looking elsewhere at this point. Right. And so
2: to be fair, the market may be overreacting to, Nokia's situation right now as well We there are some fools in the office including Charlie Travers who last I, kn- I knew was bullish on Nokia and its prospects or at least hopeful and at the same time, it's it's logical that the market reacts strongly to every quarter from the company because it's behind the eight ball. Nokia is really behind right. the eight ball. But if they turn it around and prove to have staying power, which is it's a long shot, then you're going to see the stock overreact or at least react very strongly the other direction. It is
1: a long shot. But if they can play into that lower-end smartphone market and really come out with, with some compelling products there, then I think that really could be where they could shine. And that's, that's something they know
2: yeah. how to do very well, Absolutely. lower-cost
0: phones. Pepsi's first quarter profits fell 4.5% due to some restructuring charges, but overall revenue was up. Shares hitting a new all-time high this morning. And Jeff, people sure do love their salty snacks. (laughs) Like if there's a headline in terms of Pepsi's, certainly the last year or so, but definitely this quarter, people sure do love their salty snacks.
2: It's so true. And Frito-Lay has really been the driving force behind Pepsi for as long as I can remember uh, my whole life growing up following the stock Uh, Great business. They're doing a a good job on Frito-Lay and not so well in, of course, the soda, soda division, especially in North America. That said, most of the growth overall is still coming from emerging markets. And the way we have to think about Pepsi is not as a soda company, but more as a company that has a massive distribution network in which to sell whatever beverages it so chooses over time. So as long as they can... Come up with new products, and you know, bottled water—that was a tough one to come up with. There, they, yeah. they spent a lot of a lot on R and D to do that. Of... <laughs> come up with new products that will sell. They can put those. What's really valuable at Pepsi is its distribution network and its shelf space. So even if sodas go away entirely in the next fifty years, Pepsi, I think, will thrive with new offerings. Well,
1: a good thing. things very straight is mean, Sodas are not going away. I mean, I, I plan on being around maybe another thirty, forty years. If, if Diet Coke is gone, Chris, we're going to have a big problem. <laughs> we're going to have anyway. a very big Chris problem. Chris will keep Coke alive. Yeah,
0: yeah it's, single-handedly, <laughs> I will keep Diet Coke in business. Um, it, over the last, I would say, five, ten years or so, Coca-Cola has really outperformed Pepsi um, as a company, as a business, and certainly as a stock. But you just back it up over the last 12 months, and Pepsi has really seemed to turn it around. And I'm wondering... Is that just the stock? Is that a situation where, wow, the stock was just quite, sort of bumbling along for a while and, and they, they improved enough where the shares got back up? Or if that is a reflection of a company that really is bringing its A-game, has really turned things around? Because uh, as we were talking about earlier, yes, we're seeing in North America declining sales of soda. And we've seen that. That's not new. We've seen that year after year for the last decade or so. That's for Coke and Pepsi. But this last quarter, it was more so for Pepsi than for Coke. Coke down just about 1%, Pepsi down somewhere in the 5 to 7% range. So uh, I'm just wondering, uh, operationally, is Pepsi um, really firing on all cylinders, as our friend Ron Gross would say?
2: I wouldn't say on all cylinders, but on the core ones of emerging markets and the Frito-Lay division, they are doing Very respectably.
0: Do you like the stock at an all-time high, or does it does it seem a little? If I owned it, I would. (laughs) Well, sure, yes, yes. When Coke hit an all-time high earlier in the week, I was thrilled, but I wasn't rushing out to buy new shares. Verizon's first quarter profits up 16 percent. Revenue from just the wireless business alone was 19.5 billion. That's up nearly 7 percent year over year. They're really getting it done over at Verizon.
1: Yeah, I mean, this really shows you exactly what they're focusing on right now. That wireless business is where, you know, every pair of eyeballs that the company is focused on right now. I mean, for all we love to talk about how how much I love FiOS and how much you wish you could get FiOS, and I'm sorry you don't have FiOS. Yeah, yeah, way, they I still are. think yeah. about that. Yeah, part, I'm but. sure you're awake at night it's <laughs> feeling bad
0: for me that <laughs> but, I don't you know, have FiOS. They a, are I have a really...
1: Fios box in the house and we don't use it. So <laughs> oh, if you, really? If you. You know, I know that doesn't do you any good, that but you should do. look at it. It's kind of like <laughs> having the Fuzzbuster, but not plugged in, right? You know, yeah. it looks cool, right? Um, no, I, I, they really are. They're, they're killing it on, on the wireless, on the wireless side of the business. That's why all the investment really is there. Uh, you know, I was looking at the, the number of phones. I thought it was interesting to get an idea of the number of phones that they activated because it looks like they activated 7.2 million smartphones. And of those, 4 million were iPhones. Now, of those 4 million iPhones, half were 4G LTE, and the Mm -hmm. other half were 3G. And I maybe we can look a little bit further into this. Maybe there's some more dots to connect here after Cirrus' news yesterday. But to me, that seems like it's a little bit light on the 4G, the the iPhone 5 side, which – I mean, I, I, wonder if maybe that's, you know, investors aren't looking at that today is, is, and that's why Apple's maybe selling down a little bit more is, you know, I think expectations are pretty high on that iPhone, uh, five side and maybe they were a little bit less robust. But, uh, you know, I mean, still Verizon's just a, it's a phenomenal company. They have almost 100, 100 million registered, uh, you know, act, active accounts now. Just an amazing reach, just an amazing reach. Great company still, still get it done.
2: That was Jason. I was so close to cracking up when you started to talk about Apple because I just wanted. To, I love how every story kind of turns into Apple. <laughs> well, I'm it pop, does. I was it trying does. to work Apple into Frito Lay, you know, <laughs> because you, you should be back, eating
1: apples as opposed to Fritos, <laughs> right? <laughs>
2: exactly. You turn back to Verizon, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, subscriber accounts were much higher than expected in, out, across most uh, divisions, and margins on wireless were higher than expected, and, and they're just really executing really extremely well verizon started to invest in 4g lte about four or five years ago and it's starting to really bear fruit now and uh across the board they expect higher free cash flow the rest of the year Uh, there's the fruit (laughs) pun there he's bringing
1: apple back (laughs) into the mix here jeff come on
2: now you threw me these companies don't don't excite me (laughs) that much and maybe i'm missing out but uh just because of the the intensive capital investments they need to make decade after decade they, they they don't excite me but uh
0: but they're really is that it? Doing I, I well. mean, I mean, in all seriousness, when you look at AT and T, Verizon, think... Sprint, just the fact that you, they <laughs> have to make those investments, as as an analyst, as an investor, you just look at that and say, nope, not interested.
2: That is a large part of it, and then the other part for me personally is I just don't see a difference between these few players. They they all look kind of the same
1: to me, so there's no no way to really prove which one is. I think that's a great point. I mean, like, with our iPhones, we activate our iPhones with Verizon accounts. The main reason why we did that was because we have Verizon Fios in the house, and I thought it'd be great to, to bill consolidate. But you're right. I mean, whether it's Verizon or AT&T, you're, generally speaking, you're getting the same kind of service. Uh, what I did think was actually pretty interesting, though, was, you know, so Verizon recently said, okay, we're going to – lengthen this refreshment cycle out now so instead of twenty months it's gonna be twenty four months before you can actually go ahead and upgrade your phone without having to pay that penalty. And and so it's that interesting dynamic where we see these phone companies they perform better when they activate fewer phones because they're not having to pay all those subsidies out for those phones, right? Yeah. It's why that wireless segment, the margins get so high and it's so profitable. So it's just sort of an interesting dilemma they're stuck with and like you know they want more phones under contract, but activating those phones can be more costly in
0: the short run. It's just worth noting. One of the stories I read this morning about Verizon's quarter included the fact that 90,000 people have signed a petition on change.org asking Verizon Wireless to drop their two-year smartphone contract model. And I'm wondering, is that going to be a problem somewhere down the line for these businesses, for AT&T, Verizon, Well, not T-Mobile because they, they sort of did away with it. But I'm just wondering, is that a legitimate threat to them or is that going to be, as we were talking about earlier, is that going to be like cable television? And for literally 20 years now, there has been this ongoing public debate of, boy, a la carte pricing sure would be great. And we it seems like every year or so on Capitol Hill, they're having these hearings to talk about. It would really be great and good for consumers if we had that. And the cable companies just sort of nod and smile, but don't change the way they do business at all. I don't think we'll see any real change
2: until some rule breaker or maverick comes in and changes the model and starts to take market share that really matters. So it starts to eat their lunch, and then they'll be forced to change. And that may never happen at least not anytime soon it hasn't happened in cable because how do you how do you <laughs> how do you deploy a national or even regional cable network and then right. take over uh, market share with some new business model but uh that's why i don't think it'll happen among these couple of uh network providers in telecom either
0: we're going to wrap up this week with uh, a cautionary tale from the world of financial services jim donnan the former football coach at the university of georgia has been charged with running a Ponzi scheme. According to a federal indictment, Donnan and his business partner ran the Ponzi scheme through GLC Limited, a company based in West Virginia that dealt in closeout merchandise. They sold short-term investments, promising investors rates of return ranging from 50% to 200%. And over a three-year period, they raised more than $80 million from... Former players from other football coaches, Frank Beamer, the coach at Virginia Tech, it's Barry medical. Switzer, the former coach at Oklahoma, and coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And
2: this was from about 2007
0: to 2010
2: yes. to raise this
1: money. So not exactly a, a friendly environment for raising money, yeah.
2: and they raised a huge amount of money.
1: It, it sounds like he was he was preying on a lot of personal professional relationships. within, sort of then you know, I mean, we obviously think that's deplorable. But it it is amazing. I mean, that just 80,
0: $81 dollars is just. And an he was the guy. Number. That's that's why, as I said before, this is a horrible human being. This is someone yeah. who clearly knew, because that was his part of the relation of the business relationship. Was he was going to be the guy to go out and sell his former players and his former colleagues in the coaching world to give them the money?
2: He clearly lost his way, yeah. and, and supposedly now there's forty million dollars missing at least. You know, I what have do you believe. spend forty million dollars on in a couple of years? I, I what just, was
1: lacking in his life? I have to believe, as a former University of Georgia football coach, I mean, down in that area, when you have that on your resume, you tend to do okay for the rest of your life. And there are ways you can get around and make a little money. Yeah. And it's not like the cost of living down there is all that obscene either. So, I mean, th- th- this was obviously well past, uh, I think, a financial need. And this is this is some sort of, of uh, character defect, for lack of a better term. But uh you know we we were making the point earlier before taping I mean this is one of those things where regardless of whether it's a personal investment like this or you're looking at stocks in the market I mean if something looks too good to be true then a lot of the time it really probably is Well
0: and for me it all comes down to the word promise it's one yeah. thing to say hey listen we've managed money and over the last x number of years this has been our return and of course it's no guarantee of future performance mm-hmm. But look at our track record from the past. It's another thing to go out and say, we promise you (laughs) at least 50% return on your short-term investment. Short-term investment getting a 50% return?
2: What? And without explaining what exactly they were doing either. They they couldn't explain where they were investing or how.
1: you imagine how much money he would raise if he had you pitching it just that way right there?
0: 162 million. They, double. That's what I need. No, but you're right. <laughs> that, that, that's what I need in my life. More, more federal indictments.
2: It, it, it's exactly right. Any promise, let alone even any hint of the possibility of a very strong return, you have to question it with as, twice as much skepticism as you would otherwise.
1: Of course, you know?
0: <laughs> just, just, just a terrible... Just I a mean,
2: terrible. I, 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 I could promise maybe 5 6% returns, maybe over... 10 20 years if i was forced to promise someone something and it's not a promise like that i promise that's what i'll attempt to it's like deliver. this is what i think I'm i gonna, can
0: do i
1: promise you i'm gonna try my best
2: hopefully <laughs> over deliver but you know mid single digits you know that's inflation is there too so hey yeah tells you be careful out there people be can't careful. promise anything
0: Jeff Fisher, Jason Moser, guys, thanks for being here. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market MarketFoolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. And next week, the return of Uncle Joe Maker. Oh, nice.